Okay, are we doing this? Hello, Oscar. Hey, hey, Jason. It's been it's been a few days since we last spoke. Uh, how's it going? Not good. Not good. I think I sent you a message today. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm being honest, right? Like this is that's the point. So, mm-hmm. man, being alone is not easy for me. Like I've told, I think I've told you before. Like before coming to Japan, like not even before coming, yeah, before coming to Japan, I've never actually been alone in my life. I mean, as a kid, I was always with my with my family, and then when I was 11, I went to boarding school, right? But I was in boarding school with my brother. and we had friends around right and of course i was homesick you know you're 11 you're in boarding school away from mom and dad and i would cry nights and can you remind the people where this is at uh, this is kenya this is this is kenya and i was in a school called kenya academy which was like between nairobi okay between afi river and machakos which are like two Wait, small towns you were literally in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah it literally like let me tell you how how <laughs> how far in the middle of nowhere my school was think about this jason Behind my school was a mountain called not even it was a fucking hill big fucking hill with big boulders on top it was called Kenya Hill uh-huh. and every morning we didn't have toilets in the dormitories the toilets were latrines outside of the dormitories right so you had to leave the dormitory and go out to take a piss take a shit right this is and like every morning, sorry sorry and, this is like 90s 2000s right this was 2006 2006 for me okay okay right? 2006 okay So you are, like every morning I'm wake like I wake up brush my teeth put on my school uniform go also take a piss and as I'm taking a piss I'm looking up at this mountain because the sun is rising on the other side of this mountain so it's like this mountain is blocking the moon sunrise and I keep imagining on the other side of that hill isn't the sun it's mom and dad because to go back to home back to Nairobi city back to Karen you'll have to drive past the hill Mm. So that was it was really I hated waking up and looking at the mountain it made me both happy and very sad at the same time That That sounds melancholy is the word that comes Yeah that's that's the word I was looking for And honestly you are pretty much living my nightmare cuz um one of the things that my dad used to scare me with at the time mm-hmm. you know whenever I used to misbehave and be cheeky as the last born in my family mm-hmm. um he used to be like Yeah, keep playing games. We'll send you to boarding school. And then I'll make up sorry that I'll listen. I'll listen, I'll listen, I promise. <laughs> Cuz I I had all my cousins who are around mm-hmm. my age were all in boarding school and they mm-hmm. used to tell me nightmares about like what it's like to go through boarding school in like the April Fool system, which is the Kenyan system in like in yeah. Nairobi and Mombasa. So I was just like, no, no, I cannot go to boarding school. Yeah, I mean, like the thing for me was like when I was a kid before like when i was really young i fell in love with harry potter right like most kids i guess my age wait what you fell in love with her i did not know this actually i mean i i loved harry potter since i was like fucking seven eight years old i was reading harry potter books right you have never mentioned this even I've once never? before never really ne- i think okay, you told okay. me you read the books but you never mentioned that you actually like were like a really really deep fan i was a hardcore fan bro let me tell you okay now I'm speaking tangent, tangentially here. So what happened is when I was a kid, my mom, my, my mom was a heavy reader. My mom has always been a big big reader, right? Uh-huh. So she got me Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the first Harry Potter book. And I was really young. <laughs> was it called the Sorcerer's Stone? 
No, no, that's the, that's the American voice. So a reporter has two publishers, the Scholastic and Bloomsbury. Bloomsbury is the American, is the British publisher. Uh-huh. So Bloomsbury called the first book Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone. When it was published the second time in America, it was called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in America. I think I had Philosopher's Stone, actually. You're right. Okay, okay. Continue. Yeah. Anyway, so like I got this book when I was really young. I was maybe seven years old, eight years old. And I was looking at it like, fuck, I can't, I can't read this. I, I want a comic book. I want, I want Superman. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. But then I remember, like, eventually, I said, I was saying, like, picking apart, like, paragraph, a paragraph a day, just going sleep, right? Let me just see what happens. And I fell in love with the story, bro. I fell in love with the story. And I started buying all these Harry Potter books. And what happened is, I had this image in my head, like, you know, kids imagine bullshit, right? Uh-huh. I was like, maybe, just maybe. If I go to boarding school, I'll have the same adventures Harry Potter has. Of course, minus the magic, of course, right? So <laughs> you didn't even think about like the magic. You could no. be having, you could be a wizard. I don't know, something like that. No, I wasn't thinking about the magic. I knew there was no magic, but I wanted. I was imagining just the adventure. Just the right, adventure, right? right, right, right. So I insisted to my parents, like, Mom, Dad, I want to go to boarding school. I want to go to boarding school. And of course, I was really young when I first said that. I was maybe like. Oh, nine or something of course they wouldn't let me go to boarding school on nine so when i was 11 my dad was he was a banker right and he was he was loaning money to lukenia academy so they could expand the school right oh wow okay. so my dad being being a smart guy he was like hey fuck it i'm loaning this school money i trust this school i'm gonna take my son there i'm gonna take my son's my son's there uh-huh. so me and patrick i'm 11 patrick was nine we both went to boarding school together and in, bro, like, I, bro, you were literally in the middle of nowhere, man. Damn. Bro, let me tell you how fucked up it was. I remember how on the first day we made friends. One guy was like, I remember the, the friends we made, me and Patrick made. One guy was called Emmanuel. The other guy was called Andrew. I remember them to this day. Wow. On the first day of boarding school, the very first day. Uh-huh. And we were so excited uh-huh. being in a new school, like the things we see, like how we explore the grounds of the school, right? And the, that night was, was fun. We just went to sleep. Nothing happened. <laughs> living living Harry Potter fantasy. Yes, living the fantasy. The second night, I remember before going to bed, realizing uh-huh. mom isn't here to tell me good night. Mom isn't here to tell me good night. And I started crying. I started crying at night, bro. Then I realized, so we're sleeping on bunk beds, right? I was on top, Patrick was in the bottom. And... As I was crying, you know, like how you're, you're crying and you're sniff, sniffling and you're like, you know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the middle of the sniffles, I remember I, I noticed Patrick is crying as well. Patrick is crying as well. So I got down from my bank, went down and just got in bed with him. And I told my girlfriend, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I told him, if you, if you feel like crying, just wake me up, wake me up, wake me up. But like I was literally crying for weeks. Like it was maybe three weeks before I I gave up on crying. Like I realized crying would do nothing. You know? <laughs> That's a sweet. Was, that's incredibly sweet story. Fucked. But it was fucked. Let me tell you, I did not like being in boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> Especially it was an all boy all boy school, right? No, it was it was mixed. It was mixed. Right. But still, I mean, but I'm eleven. I'm not like trying to fuck girls, you know. I was a kid. I don't know. You tell us. I mean, at, at that age. The most I thought about a girl, like if I found a girl attractive, I would feel like, wow, she she's beautiful, she's pretty. You know, that, that was pretty much it. I, I couldn't imagine how far I could go with her. <laughs> so porn wasn't in the picture yet. 
not yet, not at all. Maybe one year later, twelve from twelve, from twelve. Well, not even twelve. Like maybe just before it turned twelve, that's when porn came to the picture. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, okay, that fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harry Potter did wonders for children our age, especially when it first came out. Honestly. Yeah, fuck yeah. It was just such a creative story and it just filled you with so much wonder, you know? Even the movies, the movies captured that wonder properly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then there was that whole um idea of Harry Harry had a piece of evil within him, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into the whole archetypical Jordan Peterson type analysis, but the point was, was that the thing that had protected him for the longest time was one of the oldest spells in their like the history of magic in their world which was mm. a spell that came from a mother's love even at a young age that like i understood that i understood that like i understood mom's love is eternal you know but i feel like this is something i always question like what if it was in harry potter and like you know like fucking like hayley potter would it be the same story Because Harry Potter, like, you mean if he was a girl? No, yeah, it was a girl. This is what I think. Like, of course, a mother's love is special. Boy or girl, right? Yeah. But I think we've talked about this before, whereby, like, as a boy, you just have a special bond with your mother. It's like, your mother is kind of like, of course, putting it in a very blunt way, or a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Fuck. Like, you know, like, a, a, you know, a layman. A, a, yeah, what? Uh... Audible? No. No, no. Okay, okay. Let's yeah. Let's let's uh, uh, very. Let's use audible language, right? Yeah. In audible language, your mother as a boy is pretty much your first love, your first girlfriend, the first woman you want to marry, right? Like as a as a kid, you imagine marrying a woman. You're like, it's gonna be my mom. You want to marry mom. mom. And some, yeah, I I know who like I know girls who feel the same way about their fathers. Exactly. It's like I'm going to marry dad. Yeah, you never thought you want to marry dad. Like I want. You know, think about this. Even as a kid, there's no point in time when you thought, "I want to have friends who are like my dad," right? No. But you've thought many times, like at least for me, when I was really young, I would think like, if I have a girlfriend or a wife, I want them to be like my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mom yeah. is definitely that model, that first model of like the opposite sex that you have. Exactly. Exactly. And that influences how you see the world, how you see the other the opposite sex, for sure. And, and there's this funny thing I read, and I've never read much about Freud. I've never read Freud's work, but I was oh, reading uh, Ernest Becker's book, Ernest Becker's book, Denial of Death, mm-hmm. and he was talking about a piece of Freud's work where Freud was was claiming that as a boy, as a as a child, an infant, basically, when you see your mother's vagina for the first time, it traumatizes you. Because it makes you realize there's a piece of her that's missing, and it's like you have that piece of her. That's the piece that is missing from her on you. That's I don't know if that makes any sense. A bit creepy. We're getting and into the Oedipus complex a bit here, but let's I just, continue. I just read this excerpt. <laughs> it's this is a small excerpt from Freud's work that's in Denial of Death. Right, and I was right, like, right. What? It took me aback. Like what? But then I was actually so. Now that I have a daughter. I'm imagining, is it possible that the reverse can happen with Raha? If if Freud was correct with this assumption, is it possible that can that the reverse can happen on Raha? Whereby, Raha, even like in Japan, you know, like 
you know, parents and kids go to the bus to shit together, right? Yeah, especially when they are well, when they are exactly. young, looks like it's fine. It's yeah, so like I'm, like I'm with Raha, we are like she's like five, you know, whatever, and she for the first time, she, maybe not for the first time, but she she points out like dad, like you you have a penis, so you have something between your legs. Where is mine? Where is mine? <laughs> the first like, mom doesn't have one, but you have one. Like why <laughs> don't we have one? Why don't mom and I have one? <laughs> oh, do you want to tell people who Raha is? Raha is my ten-month-old goddess. That's what Raha is. Baby. She's the god. Baby, baby. She's the goddess in my life. Yeah, she's she's a goddess. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we say baby. That's the language we use. But like, you have your baby, man, and you see like. If you don't believe in God, having a child might just convince you that God is real. Especially just the moment after the birth, the birth, you might just be convinced that God is real. I have no idea what you're talking about, but hopefully one day I will. Let me explain further. Like I think I've told you this before. Where like, I understand what you are saying, but I, mm-hmm. I obviously I can't empathize because I haven't been through that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Exactly. Like even for me, like before Raha was born, when she was just in Yumiko's belly, in Yumiko's womb, right? Oh. I always used to imagine what, how things will be when we are both in the operating room and watching a birth occur, right? Right, right, right. Okay. Mm. And that's pretty much what I was doing, right? Uh-huh. Until I had this a popping sound. Okay, so this this will happen, right? So the nurses and doctor tell Yumiko, breathe, 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 and like my, Yumiko is screaming, my wife is screaming, like I can't, I can't do it. It's too painful. I can't do it. And she's begging, please, please let it stop, let it stop, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a moment whereby, like I was being hard, I wasn't even telling Yumiko anything. I was, I was just holding her hand and looking at the doctors, and she was breathing and crying and begging to make it stop, make it stop. And there was one moment whereby I noticed Yumiko. She understood the flow. How to let her breath move, right? Okay. And in that moment, I got a tear down my eye. Just one tear, like fuck. She, it's like she's she's becoming enlightened, you know? Like fuck, she's awakening. And then I had the pop, like pop, it's like a pop. I there's that fucking sound of pop. And that's when you hear. And when I had that, bro, I cried more than she was crying. She was, you know, she was in pain. <laughs> Yeah, Oscar, you're being useful right there. Being, <laughs> being incredibly, useful. yeah, being incredibly useful. <laughs> Letting uh, Yumiko do all the work. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh, just holding a hand. Literally, just holding a hand. <laughs> uh, I can imagine she wanted to like rip your face off in those moments. Oh, fuck you, fuck you. Like, Oscar, what are you? Look at what you've done to me. Yeah, what have you done to me? What, what have you, you done, done to me? me? Why did they let you come in me? Why did they let you come in me? <laughs> yeah, she. I could. I could imagine. I'm gonna ask somebody who's given birth. Actually, I've never. Have I ever asked my mom? No, I've never asked my mom this. But I have. Yeah, I have like one or two friends. So I'll ask them about it. What is mm-hmm. it actually like? You know, because we've all heard someone say it, whether it's mm-hmm. like a family member or like. Heard it on TV or on the radio or something like that from media or something, right? Mm-hmm. But like now, I want to ask somebody I actually know, like a friend, like a friend who I grew up with. What's it like? 
I want to share that description, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should, you should, man. Man, it's it's fuck. One day is gonna happen to you, man. And when it happens, you see what I'm like. It's it's both fucked, and it's it's like I have I actually have this picture of Yumiko, like when she was in labor. Like like this is two hours before she. And she was big back then. Birth, right? She was big. Yeah, like she was like I have this picture of her whereby she's in the operating room. She's just in labor. Like she just feeling the contractions. Right. She's she's in pain. After every few minutes, a surge of pain goes to her. Right. And uh-huh. I have this picture of Yumiko whereby she's just kneeling on the bed and she's closed her eyes and it's like she's meditating. And I call her Yumiko, Yumiko, and she can't even hear me. She's in so much pain that she can't. She doesn't know what is happening around her. And I have this picture <laughs> of her. <laughs> there's a um, there's a famous story about the guy who um was first he first started giving um. This was back in the 1800s. I, I need to look up the details, but so this doctor um, famously changed uh, the way we deliver babies, like forever, right? He gave mm-hmm. one of the royal families, I, I, I forget which European country it was, uh, chloroform. So mm-hmm. there was a woman in the royal family who was giving birth and gave her chloroform, and mm-hmm. it was such a successful um, birth that they mm-hmm. named that first. Uh, she uh, the the baby was a girl, right? They named her Anastasia, and that's where actually so, the name Anastasia started getting used. Is it Russia? Is it Russia? Maybe it, it was probably yeah. I'm not sure, but it was like if it's not a European country, it was definitely Russia. And from then onwards, it was like almost um, it was almost standard for like women to get like chloroform. You know, there were people who were against it um, at the time. So, they said like you're going so against this- the will of God. Uh, okay. go According natural. to Wikipedia, the name the name is of Greek origin, coming from the Greek word Anastasis. I don't know. What, I don't know pronounce Anastasis. it. Meaning resurrection. Uh-huh. Meaning it, it is a popular name in Eastern Europe, particularly Russia, where it is the most used name for decades until 2008, when it was re- taken when it when its place was taken by the name Sophia. Sophia is more yeah, popular. Yeah, so up until 2008, it was the most commonly used female name in Russia. That's that's very interesting. That's very yeah. interesting. Also, guys, take my story with a grain of salt. I probably got all of the details wrong. No, fuck, I, man, the yeah, general yeah, story yeah, is, is is right. Yeah. So you and I, we're not researchers, man. We're not researchers. <laughs> exactly. We're just going we're off. Just, of, we're we're people. internet addicts. We're just internet addicts. Pretty much. Pretty much. So you were telling me about your your last few days. Hmm. Yeah, and I was saying like the loneliness has been bad. Like, like I said, like I haven't been alone ever, you know. And now I find myself lonely for the second time this year. After Yimko gave birth last in in December last year, she remained in Osaka with her parents for two months, and I was alone for two months. And then I was also pretty fucked up. And I thought I got over it, right? Like uh, it's just something that you learn to get used to. But now uh-huh. it's it's happening again. I find myself in the same boat whereby. I, I'm not shitting you, shitting you, bro. I actually, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Last, last night, it, I couldn't sleep. Like I was, I got into bed at 11:30, right? And nice. I couldn't sleep. I was just thinking, like, fuck, my life is fucked. My life is fucked. I have no one to touch, no one to talk. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. So I was thinking, if I were to choose to kill myself right now, how would I do it? I was actually considering seriously. Then, through all this consider- consideration, I found, I discovered a website. Website is called lostallhope.com. 
lostallhope.com yes and this website it gives you information and statistics on suicide and there is this funny list it's a really interesting list so the list is from 1 to 28 ranked from 1 to 28 28 with method name lethality in percentage of how likely you are to die with this method the amount of time in minutes that you you are expected to die with this method and the agony on a scale of 1 to 100 one being the lowest and being the highest right and what do you think is the is the most likely way to die if you're going to commit suicide uh overdose on drugs medication so overdose on drugs is number 21 out of 28 what the fuck some yep. people People have romanticized slitting their throat, uh, not their throat, their wrists. Their wrist is number 28 out of 28. <sighs> okay, jumping off um, a balcony, high place. Uh, jumping, hold on, let me check. Mm. Oh, that's number 7 out of 28. Shooting yourself in the head? Shotgun to the head, number 1. Shotgun oh, to the head. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be but, right about this but I'm happy I'm right. Yeah, but then I I kept thinking like hey, if I'm going to kill myself, killing you, I mean like if you come home and find like your sick your wife or your friend has killed himself, at least you'll find their body intact, right? Can you imagine coming home and finding your wife's head on the wall? Can you imagine? <laughs> like the brains are just on the wall. <laughs> her brain matter is splattered yeah. on the wall literally. Bro, I mean see it's, 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 and you see like her face caved in like mm-hmm. the face that you used to kiss ah, dude, it'll be like it's Bro, literally ptsd for the I, rest of your life i literally looked up images on shotgun to the head on, on google i've seen them Bro, too i've seen videos it's like yeah. i never want to see anyone i know can you imagine like this so, I mean, so like cutting your wrists is you're most you're more likely to fail than to succeed but you're going to do it i think that's the best way so when they come and find you at least everything else is intact so except your what's the agony scale it's on a 0 to 100 yes so for cutting your wrist it's 71 71 this is actually very the interesting ha- wait a minute the, the highest <laughs> set, you, the set highest, yourself on fire 95 set yourself on fire then you see then you see that That's number 12 but agony is 95 agony is 95 that's the highest agony uh, is 95 for for the people who are out there trying to kill themselves please don't set yourself on fire there's better mm-hmm. ways to go actually don't keep no so here's the thing have you seen that video or the image of the buddhist monk in vietnam that burned himself of course the war? of course it's very so, infamous i guess I, i don't know like think about this the monk poured kerosene on himself and just said for it and he didn't scream he didn't do nothing he just kept quiet till he died is that because of meditation is that, what the fuck what the fuck was that with him you i don't know your guess is as best as mine but i would assume that um he had a level of self control that most people can't even imagine yeah might be what you call the awakening right or him being enlightened but i don't maybe, know maybe i actually don't know enough about this to talk about it Yeah, neither do I mean like ah, come on we don't we don't know anything about anything we're just talking just two plus two even do if someone very up in a bar I'll be like I don't know man that's one of those things it's like I guess people would say he's enlightened that's why he could have done it 
Okay, so like actually back okay on this topic, this very topic we're on, like you know nothing, so you don't say anything, right? Yeah. So Kanye West was on Joe Rogan last week, right? Yep. We had a big argument about this, but you know. You know, but there's there's so there's one question Joe Rogan asked Kanye West and it was I was like, fuck, this is where Kanye West is going to fail. So Joe Rogan asked Kanye West, What would you do when it comes to foreign affairs and wars and like enemies of the, of America? Oh, what did he say? That sounds interesting. Bro, Kanye West gave the most brilliant answer I have had in my fucking life. He paused for a second. Uh-huh. And he said, in the beginning of this year, he got corona. He had corona, right? Was that like news? I don't know. I didn't... I, I, I think that might have been... Wait, wait, wait. Let me just check that real quick. So he got corona... Like in the beginning of the year? Yes, yeah, so he got corona. And he was saying, when he got corona, he was a civilian. He didn't know how to treat it. He didn't know anything about it, so he had to go to the doctors to find out how to get better, right? So he said, as a as the president of America, I'm a civilian who's in charge of the army. If I want to deal with foreign affairs and wars, I know there are people around me who understand that better than me. Nice, so I will consult nice. with them. And I was like, fuck me. Other people were like, you know, when it comes to China, I'll do this and this. And he was like, I don't know. Yes, you said I'm a civilian, and I ha- and there will be people around me who know this better than me, so I will consult with them. That's all he said, bro. And I'm like, fuck, that is a brilliant answer. And even even Jurgen was shocked by that answer. Like, oh my god, that's the most unpolitician-like answer I've had in my life. <laughs> well, because you know he's not a politician. Yeah. He's Kanye. Yeah, but how honest is that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But there are people who know, so I'll talk to them. I think it's a wonderful answer, honestly. Unfortunately, it's not going to get him elected, but I still find no, it amazing. I mean, like, you know. he even said this year, he, he probably won't get it, but he said in 2024, I'm definitely going to be president. That's what he said. Yeah, you know, I kind of forgot about the whole Kanye for president thing. To him, to, to, to I think not just me, but a lot of people were just like, oh, Biden versus Trump. Oh, by the way, Kanye is also running. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's been the, the side wheel of the mainstream story, you know. Yeah. Um, because the Biden Trump show is such a shit show that everyone's just like, you gotta watch this, you know? Okay, so, so here's the thing with Kanye that, that I realized in that podcast, right? Yeah. Kanye was talking like, I mean, it's the same thing I think we discussed that earlier that morning. And you, like, you mentioned something that I, I agreed after listening to the podcast. When Kanye is talking, he seems like he's all over the place, right? Yes. But then you realize that Kanye, he's the kind of guy who, it's like, have you ever smoked weed? Yes, Oscar. You know, I have right? smoked weed, and, yes. And I've smoked you, weed with, you, with you multiple times. Yes, yeah, so, okay. When you're high, right, and you have a thought, and you have a thought, you're going to talk about this thought. And in the middle of that thought, another beautiful thought hits you. So you just go out on a tangent, right? That's that's like you being you and I being high, that's just kind all the time. Like he's just constantly high. He's just high. His mind is that way, right? Right. So he's he's not just all over the place. He knows exactly what he's saying, but he goes round in circles to go get to the point. And like my uncle, right, who owns a bar in Japan, I used to work for him when I first came to Japan. So this guy, if you ask him a question, like give me some some advice on this whatever topic, right? He won't just give you like a sentence or a paragraph. He'll tell you a story for one hour before getting to the fucking point. And initially, I was like, "Fuck, this guy talks forever, man!" Like. I swear to God, he will call me for a meeting, right? Like Oscar, the meeting's about like getting customers to the bar, 
it's you know something as basic as that how we encourage people to come to bar and the meeting the meeting was said to be one hour long but we would be talking literally the two of us for five hours before we get to the point of how we get customers to the bar Uh-huh. That's the way Kanye talks. That's the way Kanye talks. He's a storyteller. He's just a storyteller. Like most Africans, man, you and I, like, when you and I talk about anything, we, just, we don't just get to the point. We tell stories. Like you asking me about my loneliness, and I start talking to you about boarding school. I start talking to you about Lost All Hope website. I'm not just saying I'm lonely. Like, I wonder if no, that's saying, yeah, just Africans or Kenyans, or it's just like, the people, the other people talk like this? Being in Japan this long, I, I feel like it's, at least from what my experience is, it's an African thing. Americans don't do this. I have, I, I have many American friends. I have Canadian friends. I have Korean friends. I have Japanese friends. And I, of course, my father was Japanese. But a, he doesn't do this. Yeah, this is a very interesting observation. I'd, I'd love to see it. Because the problem is also is that where I meet a lot of foreigners, yeah. the bar and the nightclub isn't the right setting. People are... Yeah they want to do other things they want to go say hi to other people right so it's a very fast-paced sort of like interactions is what you're having in nightclubs right even when interacting with women it's just like they're trying to see if you're in like if this can work they're trying to see that spark that is that spark there if it's not there they'll move on and go to like somebody else they think is interesting right we've all yeah. seen what it's like in a bar in a nightclub where there's lots of people right so mm-hmm. maybe that's not the right place for that observation but i will listen Definitely going to ask my one of the Japanese teachers. See what we'll see what they say about this. Yeah, I think like for my experience I I spend time like just me and my an American friend or a Korean friend, not not in a bar, just going for a walk and talking, right? And I find when I ask them a question, they give me a direct answer, just a straightforward answer. How how was your week? I've been lonely because my wife left. Finished. There is no tangent like how comes you feel lonely like be- before you don't have to ask me why do you feel lonely i would just go to the tangent of my own right you didn't uh-huh. ask me why i lonely i went i went deep into the story right and at this point i know because i just keep quiet and i wait for you to finish just let exactly. you exactly yeah exactly now here's the thing about like this i do not i'm not saying it's everyone in the world but from, from my experience africans tend to want to tell a story more than other people Yes, 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 yes. We like we like talking to mm. other people. There's lots of yeah. us who like talking to other people, that's what I'd say. And like I remember like one time I was walking around Osaka City with my American friend, who's the poet I was telling you about. And as we were walking, I met a bunch of black guys. No, I didn't meet them, I just saw them as we as I'm walking, right? And I would give a nod, just not even going to say hi, just a nod of the head, you know, the way niggas do it, you know. Just a nod, like, I see you, nigga, I see you, nigga, you know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And he was, telling, so he was telling me, Oscar, bro, do you know these guys? I was like, no, nah, I don't know, I've never seen him before. Like, <laughs> why you nodded? Yeah, just because, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm just doing it, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing it, there's something in me that tells me to do it, you know. And he was telling me, like, as a white guy, when he sees other white people, he will never do that. And I asked him why. And he was like, just because if I do that to a white guy, they might come up to me and start talking to me and I don't want them to talk to me. I wasn't expecting that response, but I guess it makes sense well, for him. That is just your one friend, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but yes, it's my one friend. It's my one friend. But even on the, on the other end of the, my, my other black friends in Japan, when they see other black people, they nod, say, what's up, that's it. You don't have to talk, just what's up and go, right? Of but course, you have to say what's up. 
Yeah, 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 you have to, you have to show the people we're representing over here too, man. Yeah, what's up? Like, what's up? Yeah, what's up? I, I see you. I see you. I feel your challenges. I feel I'm feeling your struggles, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wakanda I know. forever. Wakanda forever. <laughs> I know it's all that. I know it's all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but uh, I've never seen white people doing that. It's funny because Africans can do this to African Americans too, and like we just yeah, know. Yeah. You're right. You, we just yeah. know. And even so, it's funny. Even like when Yumiko was in Kenya, right? She told me like she was in a supermarket once, and she saw a woman, and she knew the woman was Japanese because the woman talked to someone else in Japanese, but she didn't go up to them and talk to them. And like Yumiko, how many Japanese people do you see in Kenya in a week, or even in a month? And you didn't go up and talk to the Japanese people you've seen? That's weird, right? That's fucking weird. Ah, no, like, no, no. If you see, like, another person and you know, like, they're probably from Kenya, you know you're going to sell them what's up. Hey, Wajawa, Sama. Exactly. Hey, tell them Like, last year, just, like, a day or two days after Raha was born, I went out drinking with my brother-in-law, right? Uh-huh. And we went to a, to a bar, sorry, a club. And we were just drinking, having fun, and I saw a black girl, and I was like, I don't know why, but there's something about this girl, the way she's moving, the way she looks, her face, the way she's acting, it made me think she's Kenya. Now, from a distance, I couldn't hear her talk, so I didn't I couldn't catch her accent, but just her, from her actions, I assumed she was Kenya, right? So I woke up to her. I have a, I've her. had a similar experience, actually. Yeah. So I walked up to her, and she was with her friend, and I asked them, like, where are you guys from? And they couldn't really hear me because of the music. So I came in much, I was like, where are you guys from? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the guy, the guy was a black guy, a black man. And he said to the guy, like, he's asking us where we're from. And the guy said, I'm from, like, Chicago or something like that, right? All mm-hmm. Americans, they all say I'm from America. They say I'm from, I'm from, I'm from Chicago. I'm from Chicago, California. Shut the fuck up, what the fuck is I don't know what that's about. <laughs> all Americans have tri- you've triggered Oscar. Yeah. But now, Oscar, Maybe, you but... probably triggered all the Americans. But it's true, but you know, you know, even you know that it's a fact, right? Hey, man, anyway, so, like, it's it's about having the love for the state. Don't worry, Americans, yeah. I got you, I got you. Yeah, love for your so, state. Like, also, this America is a huge place, so yeah, it's, yeah. So this girl, so she said, yeah, I'm from Kenya, like, and as soon as she said I'm from Kenya, bro, I bro, I dove deep into Kiswahili, bro. I I dropped all the English, just ignored the African American oh, yeah. like <laughs> I just totally ignored him. <laughs> yeah. like, like I was, it's not because she was, not even because she was attractive, just because fuck, I'm not a king in the club with me. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, at that point you're not, you're not, it doesn't matter if you guys are fucking or not. It's more of like, I, I, I see my country, my fellow countrymen, my yeah. countryman here, you know? Yeah, you know, like, there's some, like, you know, this is one of the most beautiful things about meeting a fellow countryman in Japan. Like things that in Kenya that were so trivial, big in Japan, talking about them, they seem so exciting, right? Uh-huh. Like I remember one time I was in a bar and I met this Kenyan guy, he came to my bar for the first time, uh-huh. and we were talking about Japanese food. And, you know, you know gyudon, right? Gyudon. So gyudon, for the people who don't know, is a bowl of rice with beef on top. That's all that gyudon is. Beef with some onions on top. That's all it is. Now, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's a rice bowl. Yeah, just a rice bowl with beef, with beef, that's it, right? And so there's a, there's a shop called Sukiya, and they serve, it's a gyudon shop. So I was telling this young guy, like, when I, whenever I go to Sukiya, I uh-huh. order the mega size, the mega size, the biggest portion of gyudon with cheese on top. 
Oh my god. Yeah. You animal. And Jesus. And the kid and the guy was like, he was like, fuck yeah, I do the same fucking thing. <laughs> and, then, and then I was telling him, like, you know, in Kenya, this Japanese food is so good in Kenya. All Kenyan food has the basic fundamentals onion and tomatoes. That's the static mm. point of all Kenyan food. You know? <laughs> and I remember how, like, when I say that, we started yeah, laughing. Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, like, it's good. Onions. Don't forget about the Royco, the spices. <laughs> Royco, yeah, the fucking spice. The only spice cans have Royco. <laughs> hey, we have other spices too. I mean, I mean that's, but that's the one most people use, right? That's the Royco, the cube, that cube that has... Royco is actually a bunch of spices put together, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. pre-packaged spices, cooking spices that people use yeah. for... I think it's originally for stews. But mm-hmm. you know Kenyans. That's for everything. Kenyans find a way. Let me tell you, Kenyans. Kenyans find a way. So we're using it in everything, almost everything. Yeah. I'll be honest. I've been put a little bit. Have you tried that shit on eggs, Oscar? I must have. I just don't remember. Maybe it was really just young. just not a lot. Just put a little bit on eggs, bro. Hey, it's maxi. That taste just maxi, honey. Hey, just yeah. so people. Would, The usual thing is like salt and black pepper on like uh, mm-hmm. a fried egg, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's poached or scrambled, doesn't matter. Salt and black pepper is the normal thing. Mm-hmm. Now you just do salt and royco. Just a little bit of royco, not too much. Just pinch, you know, pinch it all around. Kidogo, a little. Kidogo too. Bro, you feel like life is alright. Life is alright. Nothing's just slap in the base. Slap base. Anyway, you're Kenyan, hey. meeting a Kenyan. So I met, um, I told you about the girl called Ruth, right? She's mm-hmm. a bartender. I haven't seen her in a while. Maybe she's doing something else, but yeah, she's still a bartender. And the way I noticed she was Kenyan was that when we walked into the bar, um, it was me and like a bunch of co-workers. And we're just mm-hmm. having a good time. One time when I was ordering drinks, I realized she had the bands. You know the bands, mm-hmm. like the... What are they called, Oscar? What? The bands people wear. People wear in Kenya a lot. What would you call them? The bands? Bands, bands, bands. Armbands. Wristbands. I don't know what they're called. I don't know what they're called. I think they're wristbands. They're just wristbands, right? Yeah. So she was wearing one with like... I just had a... Like I just saw the red-white. And I was <laughs> just like... Where are you from? Are you from Kenya? Are you Kenyan? And then she just looked at me and went like, you guy. And I, <laughs> when I had the you guy, I was just like, I Fuck got him. Yeah. Yes. You know, just the you guy. And I'm just like, there's only one place. And I was just like, you're from Nairobi. She's like, yep. And I'm from Mombasa. And we just hit it off immediately. I was so, like, like what you said, you just feel so happy to be talking to someone yeah. who's like, from a, almost the same background as you. Well, it, relatively speaking yeah close enough right being in japan this person might as well be in the same background as you and we talk mm-hmm. about all of the shit that's going back at home like how crazy is japan we talk about the food like you said the food everything and it's like when i went back to my co-workers it was like do you know that person it seems like you guys are like family it's like no this is my first time meeting <laughs> and dude we were like we were even playing like uh classic kenyan songs we we're playing it's a song Love is wicked. <laughs> we're playing stuff oh, yeah. like love is wicked. <laughs> the Kenyan people understand. We're playing those club hits any from the early 2000s. And everyone was just dancing. 
And I was like, oh my god, what is this song? What is this song? Is it a new song? And I was just looking at Ruth like, no, these people don't know. <laughs> let's show them where it's at. It was a really good time. Let's it was a really good let's time. Show them we need to uh, show them that way. Show them that way. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Like, I remember one time I was, I was in a club, right? Uh-huh. Met this Kenyan girl. At the time, I was a bartender. We became such close friends, you know, to the point whereby, like, literally, she was like my sister. Yeah. You know, like, back then, I was, she, I got to know her really well, and we became so close. And there was one time, I used to, back then, I was working out a lot, you know, like, doing, like, fucking 100 push-ups every day. I was that kind of guy. And nice, I, you know, nice, I had nice. the big pecs, the big man boobs, as they're called, you know? Now, now you're just <laughs> a fat fuck. And one time, like, she was, like <laughs> you just gonna ignore that comment? Yeah, like, one time, she was, like, she was just like, hey, Oscar, you know, like, Oscar, you're, you're, uh, like, hey, like, you're a big breast, you know, like, that kind ah, of thing. Tell her it's all muscle. And, uh, but then she, and then she grabbed them, and I, I told her, if you touch my, my chest again, I'll touch your kids, you know. Uh-huh. And she grabbed them again, and I just grabbed her breasts. You know, and it's, it was just fun, like, no, nothing sexual, just like kids playing, you know. Yep. And we're both just like laughing, like, haha, like, you guys are stupid. <laughs> I will never do this Where with anyone else. Even in Kenya, I will never do this with a girl, right? Even in Kenya, I will never do this with a girl. Well, no, if, if, like you said, if you guys are close, you can do that, sure. If, if I think about, like, I got close, I got that close with this, with this girl within a period of two months. That's a short fucking time for me touching a dress that way. Really? At least. No, I, yeah, if, I if you guys really get along, I don't see the problem. Yeah, I feel like it will, this wouldn't happen in Kenya. That's what That was my thing. Because in Kenya, of course, the expectations, you know, there's, I need time to know you before you, I will do these things. But in Japan, it's because... It's only if you guys are going to... to I don't know, man. I've just seen... People are really people are really close in Kenya. Even in USA, you are seeing shit like this, man. People are just... Mm-hmm. It depends. It just depends, I think. Mm-hmm. If you guys really hit it off, it's like, fuck. You can do whatever the fuck you want, honestly. Yeah, we really hit it off, man. She was a nice girl. So a wonderful woman. It's she was, she not was common, but I don't think it's that unusual. Yeah. Anyway, going mm-hmm. to my last few days. Mm-hmm. I was doing really well. Actually, I think I'm still doing really well. And mm-hmm. today in the morning, man, like, whoo, I woke up in the morning mm-hmm. and I was just feeling horrible. I don't mm-hmm. even know why, right? Mm-hmm. And then after feeling horrible, you know, I was just like, I need to go back to sleep and I can't sleep. So now I'm mm-hmm. like semi frustrated, semi like not awake and awake at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, all right, you know what? Let me just look at porn and mm-hmm. do that one, that one round. And that will be the send off to sleep, right? No, no. That one round became two, two rounds became three. And by time three around, it was just like I spent like one or two hours. Mm-hmm. It was like I'd wasted time. Yeah. I still couldn't sleep. So now I'm here. I'm forcing myself to do push-ups in the morning to like mm-hmm. clean my place and stuff like that. And nothing is fucking working. It just seems like mm-hmm. nothing is going right in my morning. Mm-hmm. And I think many people mm-hmm. have that sort of thing in the morning. And it just felt mm-hmm. horrible. You guys, it just felt horrible. And I'll add, I'll, I'll add this too. Yesterday, mm-hmm. my good class, the class mm-hmm. that I usually teach, um, 
Wimbledon or we, we both teach English to Japanese children. So uh, yesterday was supposed to be my easy classes. For some reason, the boys yesterday decided to be a kind of difficult. And they annoyed me. They kind of annoyed me. They annoyed me not that much, but they annoyed me just, un- just enough, right? To me, it got like, <laughs> fuck this, you know? Fuck this class today. And I sort of carried that home. But having that with the morning, so that coupled with the morning I had, I <laughs> was not looking forward to going to work at all. The day I was just like, if I can't even like cleaning my room, cleaning my house is a problem, I imagine going out and like teaching these kids. It was just like, nothing was adding up and i was just like oh my god today is like literally one of the worst days i've had in a while you know because usually it's like i feel like me and you have been making progress i was like you know getting a routine um writing i i think we've been doing our best you know okay maybe not like 100 percent our best i would okay i'll talk for myself not maybe not 100 percent all the time but this effort and there's a little bit of consistency that's actually showing on specifically on my part. I'm starting to see a pattern. I'm like, okay, Jason, this is it's that one percent every day, one percent, like maybe even one percent, zero point five percent better every day. I'm starting mm-hmm. to actually see it. And for me to have a day like this, it it scared me because I was just like, oh, this is the fall. This is where I go back to being, you know, the old me. And now all of that like small consistency and momentum goes into nothing less, right? And, oh, oh, I didn't even add the context of... So yesterday, I met this wonderful girl on yeah. Omigo. Literally, yeah. like, uh, just a beautiful soul. And she's... I'll say this now. She's, like, 14 or 15. Jesus. Don't say her name. No, no, no. No, it was just a normal... We just had a conversation. But, like, she has a mental illness, right? Yeah. She has, like, yeah. social phobias and stuff like that. And because of what, because of like those social phobias, she has had to go through like a little bit more, not a little bit more, but more than what people her age have to experience. And mm-hmm. she's tried to like, I shouldn't be saying this, but like, as long as I don't say her name, it'll be fine. So she's tried to like commit suicide, right? Yeah, and yeah. a lot of the things she talked about are a lot of things we have talked about before. That's how I was mm-hmm. able to like instantly connect with what the hell she was talking about. And I was just mm-hmm. like telling her all the time. I was just like, how are you 14 or 15? And like, have this much appreciation for life. Being able to understand the importance of cleaning your room and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, and I'm just like, back, yeah. It goes back to what we were saying. We keep saying this thing whereby like, I don't know if I've told you this. I, had this, I read this quote somewhere whereby like it says, uh, knowledge no sorry what is it like experience gives you knowledge but suffering gives you wisdom it's funny because um i like sorry experience gives you knowledge suffering gives you wisdom i confuse it i'll make an anime reference real quick yes guys mm-hmm. i am an anime i'm one of those degenerate people anyway point is yeah you're fucking degenerate you're <laughs> just like, what the fuck I would say, yeah, I love hentai too. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. The usual. So, Naruto. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people remember this very popular actor oh, called Naruto. He was on the swings. I remember that. He was on fucking swings. Yes, 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 yes. There was one quote Sasuke told Naruto. He said that... So, when Sasuke and Naruto first fought, Sasuke told Naruto, 
pain gives us power. He didn't mean it in the literal sense. There was a little bit more to the conversation than that, but you know that was the gist of the conversation. Pain gives us power, and it gives us the ability to really see what's around us, right? That I, I also that was I thought that was pretty clever with the whole cheering gun thing. Anyway, point is, is like so by me killing my best friend, yeah, I will feel the ultimate pain, and hence gain the ultimate power. Is the way mm. he was thinking. Obviously, it's it's flawed, right? Even the writer explains within the own story why that thinking is flawed, right? Mm. But the point is that Naruto had a theme like that. You know, I thought that's very very interesting, especially now that we can look back and like see. And like, sort of look and cut through it and see that, you know. So I mean, like, looking looking at your own life, looking at your own life, you can see the, the same scenes over and over again, right? Yeah. Think about when I was a kid, I was really fat, right? And I was being bullied for for being fat. And how would I how would I remedy the pain of being bullied? I wouldn't go and work out. I would go and eat more snacks because that was comfort for me, right? Uh huh. So like me remedying the pain of bullying with food only made the bullying worse it wasn't oh, until i was a teenager when i realized when i realized fuck this bullying won't end until i actually do something about this shit it was a positive feedback loop yes yes and um anyway going back to the teenage girl i was talking to um yeah we just really really connected and it was in a very very platonic sense right and what's interesting is is that i i felt really good about our mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. and she gave me like some advice for dealing with whatever the negative demons that i'm dealing with and i gave her some advice on like she has no idea what the fuck she's doing without boys in her school so i just gave her some advice because i told her boys she she's like yeah. How, what are the boys thinking you know stuff like that and she's getting into that whole girl talk you know And I was just telling her, boys, your age are so simple. They're like usually driven by like one or two things. Like they're not as complicated as girls as at all. You know, it's like because she was thinking, oh, what did what did he mean by saying like this and that? And we were like really getting into like some of the things that's going on in her life. And I was mm-hmm. just like, dude, boys just jack off, want to play sports. And maybe want to touch a boob and kiss you. That that's pretty much what all these girls want. To, like boys want to do at your age, you know. The the thing about them having sex isn't like even they don't know what it really means at that age. I mean, they, they don't know. They, he, like this is something I've realized so much. Like since Yumiko left. So when Yumiko was here, you know, it's like I will have sex with her regularly, right? Every day. No, no, not really every day, but on a regular basis. Let me say that. Yeah, and the thing is that like, you realize that nothing but mammals. Sorry. <laughs> so like you realize like you you tend to lose the importance of sex with someone you love. You you tend to forget how wait, how good wait, it is. Wait, 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 wait. You guys have so much sex that your sex became meaningless. Is that what you're saying? No, not meaningless. But I can say that you tend to like. Let, okay, let me let me give a better explanation. What I mean is. When I'm having sex with my wife, two, three times, four times a week, I start looking at other women and saying, "Fuck, I would like to fuck that woman, right?" But when my wife is gone and I see a sexy woman, the only thing I think is that she's sexy. But I'm not really thinking I want to fuck her because I'm like, okay, she's sexy, but 
if a fuck is going to be awkward, it's going to be as comfortable as a freedom having sex with Yumiko. Right? Because Yumiko knows exactly what you want. And she... no, no, not even that. Because with Yumiko, I can just be me when I'm having sex, right? I don't have to think about the best uh, the best position. Okay, okay, I don't okay. have to think about, like, should I use that talk or not? Should I... It's yeah, like, you I'm know, the... When you're having sex with that stranger, it's like you guys are both doing a dance, and you might exactly. not necessarily what dance you're kind of doing, right? So she might be trying to do the salsa, you're doing a weird hip hop dance, and it's all exactly. <laughs> yeah. But exactly, you know, right? as as you guys try and do it, you do eventually get on the same frequency. At least that's yeah, if you're yeah. having a good experience. With 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 Yumiko, sex isn't just about sex itself, right? Like at least in in the moment. You don't really realize that, but it's not f- just physical; it's emotional. I will, I will dare say, it's spiritual, right? I, I think for most girls, it's supposed to be emotional too. Yeah, but they, even they for would me, say like, that it's emotional at least. Even for me, like whenever I feel really cool, it's emotional because I can. I'm enjoying sex with her so much that I say I love you without thinking that I won't say I love you, right? Uh-huh. When when I'm coming, I'm not just like fuck. This is so good. I'm gonna come. It's like. Like I'm coming for Yumiko, I'm coming because of Yumiko. Yeah, come here, I'm not just let me come on your face. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh-huh. and it's like sometimes I just want to take it slow, just so I can, I can feel my wife. Right, it's you know, like, like it's like, like I, you I, don't eat the entire chocolate quickly you just suck on it a little bit, just you know, yeah. slowly bite yeah, like, into it, just enjoy it. Here's the thing that. Everybody. If, if you talk to a girl, girls say like, "Oh, we love foreplay, right?" And I get that, right? But here's the thing: if I don't know you, I just met you in a bar. I just want to smash and run. I'm not thinking about foreplay, bitch. I'm not thinking about foreplay right now. But with my wife, foreplay, I'm not thinking about doing foreplay. Foreplay is kind of the default mode because I want to savor this moment. Does uh-huh. that make sense? Uh-huh. No, it does. It does. It does. So, Continue. So, like. Foreplay is just the system we use through which we express our love for each other. It's not just me like, oh, I'm horny, I'm gonna stick my dick in. No, no. It's like first I'm gonna just touch your arms. I'm gonna put my hand on your face. I'm gonna look at you, just looking at her, not saying nothing, just like feeling the tension, you know, just between our faces, just as we're staring into each other. I'm gonna let my hand run around down your back. Like we're gonna take it slow, very slow. So by the time I put my dick in her, we're both already on the verge of coming. Coming from emotional ecstasy. Even physical, even like I can feel like fuck. It's uh, okay. So it's it, it's come together as a crescendo by the time you're putting your dick in her. Yes, yes, yep. That's the that's perfect. That's a perfect phrase. Yes. So this it's like the peak peak level of like you guys your very being. Like you mm. guys are connected through ecstasy mm. with the physical, the emotional, everything, spiritual. Yes. And now it's everything like everything came together. You guys are intertwined as like souls yes. and spirits. Yes. Yes. And then you come. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, then it is a huge explosion of energy. Yeah. And come, and just come. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's true, that's true. Don't forget about that. That's so important. <laughs> yeah, come here, bitch. Let me come on your face. <laughs> okay. So, 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 okay. 
So what made me happy? So I was very happy to talk to this girl in the moment. Again, I'll be very specific, guys. This is very platonic conversation. Like literally, we're just talking about our lives. It wasn't like sexual or anything like that, you know. And I realized that I have not talked to somebody like this. That isn't Oscar mm-hmm. specifically in a long while. Like mm-hmm. up until now, I have learned. The past year was me just learning how to deal with my loneliness and my semi addiction to porn, right? Oh, like you know, PMO specifically. Mm-hmm. And I have found a system that kind of works. Mm-hmm. But when I talk to her, and after I finished talking to her, like I was hit with like a wave. Of like loneliness, because I was reminded, hey, the way I'm living isn't the way I'm supposed to be living. You know? Exactly. I exactly. get. I got reminded, hey, I'm supposed to have people around me who I can talk to, like yes. this. Maybe not on a daily basis, but on a regular basis. You know. And right now, I have nobody. So that all that shit, it just smacks me right in the face. You know, like all of that weight that I was like, it's almost like you've piled. All these books in a shelf, like you've remade your whole library, right? You have multiple bookshelves, and like almost like in a cartoonish, like Tom and Jerry Looney Tunes type fashion, something happens, and now all of the bookshelves just come smashing right on top of your face. You know, the bookshelf all just fall over on top of you, and it's like, fuck! Now I have to start from ground one all over again, right? Like literally, it's funny that that conversation really made me introspective, and I even meditated after, and I felt sad. Like I just felt the loneliness just felt so clear mm. and evident in that very moment. Like it felt like I was in a fog, and it's just like, damn, how did I ever like normalize this? Is what I was thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only t- today in the morning when. Again, after the horrible morning, I listened to some a little bit of motivational speeches, David Goggins and stuff like that. I have a, so today's class is much more difficult than yesterday's class, and somewhere along the way, like on the bus ride to my classroom, I was just like, I am going to attack that classroom because I swear to God, if that classroom is one of the bad classes, if I have another bad class, I am legiting like. I'm legit contemplating quitting the company, like literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like I cannot not emotionally keep up with myself. Have a bad class like that, and then have like multiple bad classes in a row. It's like no, I can't be living like this. It's like, hey, Jason, you have a problem in this classroom? Fix it, like fucking fix it. Like don't even think about like the history. Don't think about like hey, maybe I I can't do this job or stuff like that. It's like no, no, it's simple. You have a problem, fucking fix it. If you don't know how mm-hmm. to fix it. Ask somebody to help you. Fucking learn. Okay. You know, you can learn. Is what I was thinking, and mm-hmm. I literally just wrote down what are the problems in this class. Who's giving me so much stress? Because, like Oscar, we've talked about this before. Some of these kids, you just see them once a month. How can they give you so much stress? Like it's it's it, it's upon us as adults, right? We're like the father figures in that class. We're the male mm-hmm. teachers, right? We're the father mm-hmm. figures to these kids. Mm-hmm. There is no way some of these kids should be able to give us stress. All these problems. That will last the entire week. Like yeah. there's just no fucking way. There's something we're doing wrong. The way we're like, observe, like you know, the way we're being observant in the class, the way we're attacking that class, right? The way we're experiencing that class, it's all wrong, you know. 
So I was just like, hey, work smarter, not harder. Don't just go mm-hmm. down and shout at these kids. No, actually go and do something. So I went there and I played the money game, you know, the point system where it's like, hey, we're going to make teams. Um, the team, we're playing games, obviously, team games too, right? But specifically, it's like, hey, these are the guidelines for the classroom. Mm-hmm. If you follow them to a T, I am going to reward you with money, 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 money. And I was very, very aggressive. Like every single point, mm-hmm. they behaved well. I gave them like a high five and I gave them money. And this mm-hmm. brought the entire, even though the boys, the boys who really gave me a problem and annoyed me a lot, all of the boys in this class were literally fighting each other, you know? And obviously, I'm the one who's trying to like break it up so they don't actually kill each other. But the point is that they're so busy fighting each other and trying to get money and follow the rules, they weren't actually like disturbing me or fighting me. So now mm-hmm. I was cruising in this class. There were like zero problems, you know? They were still like, again, they were still being. They, it got heated. It, the, com- the competition got to like kind of a heated point, but they were speaking well, they were listening to all the rules, and I was stress free. Like that was so stress free, Oscar, that I was like, I turned one of the one of the okay, it's not the hardest classes, but it's one of the harder classes I have. And I mm-hmm. made it stress free. And I gained a lot of pride from that. Because I felt like me from one year ago would have fucking just entered this class and I would have crashed and burned. Like all the fucking way, dude. But now like I fucking attacked that classroom and it worked. It actually worked. And after that, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to attack that shit at home too. I'm going to attack the shit in my mind. Because honestly, this needs to end. I can't keep on getting in this cycle of like rise and fall, rise and fall, you know? Three steps forward, two steps back, you know? Oh, sorry, like two steps forward, three steps back. I can't keep on doing that. It makes no fucking sense. And it's upon us as adults, adults in becoming to like realize our dreams right no one no one is gonna do this shit for us and that's the same thing you know Jordan Peterson people like Jordan Peterson um Joker Willing Goggins David Goggins like all these people are just that's like almost nutshell thing that they're trying to say like hey take responsibility for your own fucking life and make it fucking happen because no one is gonna do it for you and yeah, just fucking attack shit. Just fucking attack it, dude. Like, just stop with the whining. Stop with all that. I will say this. Meditation did help too because you just need to drown out all of that noise, Oscar. All of the shit of like, oh, I don't want to do this, that, that, that. When some people criticize you or diss you or stuff like that, that shit is just noise, man. It's all fucking noise. So Even, I've been meditating for a long time. Like, I can... Yeah. I can... Maybe since... October 2017 I've been meditating, right? Right, right, right. And I can tell you honestly, I've had... So, I think even we just even we just count, count down the minutes, right? I mm-hmm. think I've done more than 30,000 minutes of meditation in my life. Right? Wow, you, you're over the 10,000 hour rule. Wow. No, no, 10,000. Not, not hours, minutes, 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 not hours. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, but I can tell you like... As you start to meditate, like this is why I, said, I didn't start meditating because of religion or enlightenment. I started meditating because I read online that meditation makes you realize how makes you aware of your addictions, right? 
So like I'm a smoker, right? So this one brilliant quote I had from, you know, Duncan Trussell, right? Yep. So Duncan Trussell, who's a big time, he's a Buddhist and big time meditator. He said, and if you're a drug enthusiast, right? Yeah. So he, he was saying like, if you're addicted to cigarettes, instead of saying I'm going to quit cigarettes, whenever you smoke, just say I'm, I am smoking. Whenever you smoke a cigarette, just say I am smoking, right? So this is why I got into meditation because at the time I was I was masturbating way too much, five times a day. Jesus, dude. Right. So I I started meditating so I could stop masturbating, right? And it worked, right? Because I was really fuck. I'm 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 getting into that cycle again, whereby I'm bored. I I don't feel like watching Netflix or YouTube. So let me just look up some porn. So when I started meditating, I realized fuck. Okay, I'm. I'm going to X videos of Pornhub again. Okay, let me just go back to YouTube or Netflix instead, right? Right. And it did meditation did make me quit masturbation and PMO. It made me reduce it, right? But then as I kept on meditating, hoping to completely quit masturbation and watching porn, something else happened. Whereby I got into the spiritual and religious aspect of meditation, right? Whereas I'm looking up Hindu. I actually own a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. I own copies yeah, I of many spiritual books. If I recall, you've you've told me about it in the past. Yeah. So, like, because there was one moment, right, in 2018, July. I remember very. It was July 28th, 28th of 2018. I meditated, right, and I was done. With, like after the first 20 minutes, it was done. I got into bed. Just I look at my phone, right. And I just, I felt this wave of joy like I've never felt in my life. And I just started laughing, and I couldn't stop laughing. I actually couldn't stop laughing. And Yumiko, who was next to me, she thought what was wrong. And I told Yumiko, I don't know. I can't stop laughing. I can't stop laughing. It feels so good. I feel it's so just, fucking good. It's probably like it's, it's it's finally done, man. It's finally fucking yeah, cracked. It's done. And I was, and of course the laughing eventually stops, but. This feeling of deep, intense joy, like it's joy coming from nowhere, was with me for around 24 hours. Where I was happy, like nothing could bring me down. Nothing could bring me down, and that made me realize there's another side of meditation that is beyond just realizing that I'm an addict, right? And right. I think I told you like a week ago, two weeks ago, when I was meditating at home, and I was sitting down, I was trying to focus on my breath. And I was I was cross-legged on the ground, and you know, like it's I was using the Sam Harris app. Sam Harris says, "Feel your body, feel gravity, take its effect on your body, something like that, right?" Mm-hmm. Feel the sensation in your body, right? Yes, and I, as he was saying that, I realized, fuck, I can't feel my feet on the ground. I can feel the ground touching my feet. It's like I couldn't feel my legs. But I could feel the ground. It's like I was the ground, and the legs on on the ground were not my legs, but I was the ground. And those a foreign object touching me, Oscar being the ground in this moment, right? It it was so weird, right? And I I like I was like, fuck, oh, this is weird. This is weird. But I just I just kind of went to the floor. Then something happened whereby I realized, at least for a few minutes, I couldn't hear my thoughts. I couldn't hear my thoughts, and like I didn't really panic, but it was kind of like an anxiety arose on me. Like, 
what the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? Right? So like, I kind of like coalesced my, my strength to go in search of my thoughts. Like, fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? Something's wrong, something's wrong. <laughs> so I started looking for my thoughts. And of course they came back, like everything was back to normal in a few minutes. For me, what it's mm-hmm. really helped is just drowning out all of the noise in my life. Mm-hmm. All of the useless shit. And mm-hmm. Just getting rid of like even the emotions that I feel aren't useful, you know? Mm-hmm. And seeing them for what they really are. Like what Sam Harris would say in his app is like when you're having when you're experiencing this intense emotion, whether it's like, you know uh if if, if you wanna like really get rid of this negative experience, a negative emotion, it's like just observe it for a second. And literally mm-hmm. I have this image that always plays in my mind where it's like it's almost like I'm looking at a cloud. Mm-hmm. The negative emotion is that cloud, right? That cloud can be very, very big mm-hmm. and depending on how intense it is, it's very, very dark. Like it can be a very dark cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it can be so big that I'm actually like well, as it's passing by it's almost like I'm going through it, right? But once I, so, and observing, when I choose to observe this cloud though, it's when I realize, hey, when I try touching it, it just dissipates. Like cloud, mm. like a cloud, like an actual cloud. It's just air. It, it can't actually do anything to me. And there's so many times where even when I have, like, I take that moment to just be aware of the feelings that I'm having in my mind, in my consciousness. Mm-hmm. And all those negative feelings just just evaporate in front of me, just disappear like vapor. And forever grateful to Sam Harris. It's really helped a lot by getting rid of like again stuff that aren't useful. You know, stuff. It's like stuff where it's like you need you knew what you did wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yet your mind still tries to dwindle or dwell on on that replaying that memory over and over again, right? Because, you know, the idea is that, hey, something bad happens, you really take in that memory, you learn from your mistakes, right? Whether you're writing it down or you take mental notes and you go like, hey, this is what I'm going to do in the future so it doesn't happen again, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the whole point of like having bad feelings on something, when you do something wrong or when you, you do something that hurts somebody else or affects somebody else, you're supposed to take that in, internalize that and go like, hey, and like internalize it, process it, and then add it to your to yourself. And that's supposed to make you a better person, right? Add the lesson, mm-hmm. the value. There's supposed to be a lesson mm-hmm. learned. Add that that value to yourself, and you've become a better person. And but the problem is that our brain sometimes, like it's almost like a, a bug. It gets hiccuped on that recording, not recording. Sorry, play the playback of the memory. So now you just mm-hmm. keep on playing back the exact same bad memory over and over and over and over again. Even when you've said, hey, there's nothing valuable for me being stuck here. You've, you've accepted that. You know that. But you keep on, whether it's like you just choose not to forgive yourself for whatever reason, it's like you just keep on playing it back. And that's why I, I think meditation helped me because it's just going like, hey, that's just noise at this point because you've learned your lesson. You've, you've extracted the value from this bad memory or from this bad experience it's done whatever's in the past is in the past so just fucking let go just let go but like so that's the idea of like enlightenment right to completely live in the moment but I think for most human beings even you and I despite all our meditation 
we can't actually do that, right? Because yeah. you know, like, like who's the only human being that's completely moment? Who is it? Who is it? It's a baby. A baby is the only thing that's totally immersed in the moment, right? That's why, like, Raha would fucking look at the wall and touch the wall like the most amazing things that she's seen in her life, right? Uh-huh. She's totally immersed in the moment, right? You and I will see a new thing, and within five minutes, we are bored of it. Like, fuck, like, what's, what's, what's the next level? What's the next level? Raha isn't thinking in that degree. Raha is just immersed in the moment, right? And no matter what you and I try, I'm sure there's a way that someone can be truly enlightened. I'm sure because I believe that people, I don't know, but I believe that people have actually been achieved enlightenment. And I think if you and I were to meet such people, we will think they were mentally ill. Uh, uh. We, we might actually believe they are mentally ill. Can you imagine you meet a, an adult who's 25 like you, but he's so immersed in the moment that he's acting like crap? Would you would you want to sit down with him and talk? You'd be like, fuck no, this this guy is weird. This guy is fucking weird. Right, right, like, right. I, I can't spend time with this fucking guy. Like people will think I'm crazy like him. You know? uh. So you like I guess what meditation does is like what what like what somebody says like focus on your breath. When you realize the thoughts have come in, just be aware of the thoughts. That's it, right? So it's like you're doing a bicep curl with your brain. Okay, so breath, breath, breath. Thought comes, you forget your breath. Oh fuck, the thoughts came in. Back to the breath, right? It's no hate, no anger, no nothing. Okay, fuck, the thoughts came in. Let me go back to the breath again, right? And it's like the point of the meditation isn't to make you like Raha, but to make you realize that there are some habits that you that your mind is accustomed to that you can you have the power of breaking. Right, right, right. And it's not like you completely like like even with porn, right, and masturbation. Where you are right now, or okay, let me speak for myself. Where I am right now, I am I am light years away from where I was before. I haven't quit watching porn, I haven't quit masturbating, but now if I masturbate, it's like what? Two, once, twice a week, as opposed to three years ago, it was five times a day. Right? Whereby I, the habit isn't gone, but I've realized, at least to some degree, I have power over this habit. This habit does not control me. Because, like, let's even ignore addictions, right? Let's, let's go to something much more typical something like speaking or understanding Kiswahili, right? You understand Kiswahili, right? Yeah. Can you choose in this moment not to understand Kiswahili? Can you do that? No. No, because it's a habit that your mind has been trained into. Yeah. You've been programmed to Mm -hmm. understand Kiswahili, right? Language Yeah, language is funny. Exactly. Can you just break the programming? Can you just say, I don't understand written English anymore? You can't do that. There's no way you can do that. But maybe you can. Maybe with some with ten thousand dollars of meditation, you can choose. Just I don't understand anything. <laughs> Who knows? That at that point, I would say that you're not listening to the person, rather than you're not understanding. No, but I'm saying, I like, um, what I'm saying here is that everything is a habit. Yeah. However, every single thing, even you and I speaking English and understanding English, is a habit. Uh-huh. But now, if a habit has been so deeply ingrained, it is no longer habit, but a norm. Am I making sense? Okay, okay. Now, 
a norm isn't so deep that isn't so deeply ingrained it's just a habit and a habit that ha- does great harm is called an addiction now let me give you think of this a habit that doesn't create harm but the addiction a habit harm. That, that does that does great harm that does great harm uh, okay 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 now, think about this. let's look at wearing shoes wearing shoes right uh-huh. i read this interesting thing that says that the widest part of your foot should be the the width between your your your, your pinky to your big toe that should be the widest part of your foot right you mean the Now, ends most people, the ends of your toe like yes from from big toe to pinky should be the that would be the biggest width right of the foot right fair enough yeah however because we all wear shoes i know actually people, the truth will be like just like not the sole but the this part right here like where the, the the toe so the bone of your toe where mm-hmm. that ends i think mm-hmm. that sometimes is a bit wider no no so so this I, i'm about to, that's the point i was going to make so for most people that bone on the big toe is the widest part of their of their foot right yes yes yes, yes. but i read the reason that is is because we all wear shoes for people who don't wear shoes the space between the big toe and the pinky like that's the width going across from at least okay from the the knuckle area the knuckle area of the toes right the uh-huh. space between the big toe and the pinky should be the widest part of your foot but because we wear shoes that's not the case now we all wear shoes because you have to go to work you go running you walk you walk in concrete right so the yeah. habit of wearing shoes which is destructive for human balance has become the norm right 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 so now it's a norm we don't question it whereby if someone says hey jason if i tell you jason i'm going to go the whole month with no shoes i'm going to take with no shoes even you think i'm crazy because you kind of need shoes but you think it's weird it's weird right it's fucking weird yeah even when you do explain to me i'll tell you oscar exactly we kind of live in the society and we exactly have exactly. to follow social norms yes because yes. me and you can't live in a cave if you can live exactly. in a cave good man just do whatever yeah. the fuck you want exactly so it's like when people talk about like safe what's safe what's rational man what what, what does that mean like fuck even talking to you right now i feel like there's some words we use that we don't understand the implications of these words right but when you meditate and you give thoughts to the things that you're saying the things that you're doing you realize there's a big disconnect between reality and my actions oh yeah huge huge disconnect and part of the the thing that Jordan Peterson talks about the most when you bring yourself together is um lessening that gap between mm-hmm. what is going on in your consciousness and who you are as a person and mm. how you what you're acting out in the world you know mm. and i think this the most best example for this is us lying we lie jason, hold, up, hold on jason let me ask i need to take a piss very badly oh i was going to ask we end this very soon because i need to go to bed soon I, i'm waking up tomorrow because of my early classes what time is do you start tomorrow 3:45 uh, 3:45 oh i said okay okay can we so we can we can actually end it now and then we'll pick it up again tomorrow or the day after if you're willing 
Oh, let me okay, just finish this point. Let me just finish that one point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, guys, we're going to end this soon. Um, what was I talking about? Lying. Lying. And oh, I was going to... Yeah, sorry. I was going to give up the example of lying. It's like, we lie about almost everything. Like, mm. tiny lies. Like, yeah. all of us give these tiny lies that even when you look back on, and you give every day, right? And you lie to a point where it's just like, even you think, like, you lie, and then a minute later you'll think about it and be like, I didn't even need to lie about that. Why are you lying about that, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's just like, again, there's that gap that has go grown between, like, your consciousness and part of your subconscious and the things that you're acting out in the world. Mm -hmm. And as that thing gets wider, you start to demonstrate behaviors and saying, sometimes even saying things that you don't even necessarily believe. And obviously that's a real problem because when that gets too extreme, then suddenly you might actually be hurting the people around you. You start hurting the people around you. You start hurting like your friends, your family, everyone that you're connected to in your social network, in your social net. And as Jordan Peterson would say, you're actually building, bringing the entire world one step closer to like actual hell. You know, hell on earth. And yeah, man, he's right. He's right. He's right. Just starting to like actually just being yourself and telling the truth. Tell the fucking yeah, truth, yeah, Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah, the exactly. fucking truth. And like exactly. you said, same thing with porn and all our other addictions. It's a habit at this no point, man. Yeah, some of these, some of these like habits we have are fucking alive. They're real, man. And when you try to kill them and like vanquish them, or like you know, they fight back. They, they fight, fight back. back. They fight back. You know, Jason, I'm gonna fuck. I need to go. You take a piece so bad. Fuck me, I'm dying. <laughs> All right, that's on how, that bombshell. Episode one ends. That's how episode one. Ends. Oscar, <laughs> you take a piece. That's how the episode ends. <laughs> and on that bombshell. It's time to end the show. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Come again later. Yeah, thanks for giving us a listen. Bye-bye. Thank you, man. Bye-bye.